This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka al-tuklan wa la hawla la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyu al-azim Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hal-uqata min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma la sahila ma ja'altahu sahla wa antaj'alu al-hazna idha shi'ita sahla Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina wa habibina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين. We were still speaking about the ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah that are talking about Siyam, verse 184, 185, and 186. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمُ إلى آخر الآية So uh, this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions شَهْرُ رَمَضَانِ The month of Ramadan الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ In which was revealed the Qur'an So Ramadan is the month the Qur'an was revealed So the one thing we associate the month of Ramadan the most with is fasting. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He was speaking about the month of Ramadan, the first thing He mentioned was the Qur'an. And there's a very big relationship between the Qur'an and the Ramadan. Which is why uh, we recite the Qur'an more often. We uh, learn about the Qur'an more often in this blessed month. You'll find that some of the Salaf, they would recite so much Qur'an that they would finish it several times. Some of them would finish the Qur'an, all of it in a day, in one day. They would read the whole Qur'an. And uh, is that possible? Yes, it's possible. In fact, they would read the whole Qur'an in a prayer. You know how it took, takes us a month in Taraweeh? Can you imagine doing that in one night? Now, I think I saw a, a while back, I saw a young man who led a prayer, and he read the whole Qur'an in it. He read the whole Qur'an in that one prayer. So it took about six hours, I think. So it is possible. And uh, you do find the Prophet ﷺ saying to some of his companions that the one who finishes the whole Qur'an in less than three, three days has not understood it. So the recommended time for you, so you should pace yourself as you're reading the Qur'an. You shouldn't strive to read the whole Qur'an on a daily basis, right? Um... And it, uh, you know, your a fast reader reads a juz uh, in about twenty minutes. So if you do a juz in twenty minutes, uh, ten juz will take you what? Who, who can who can calculate that for us? If it takes you to do one juz in twenty minutes, the Quran, the whole Quran, will take you how long? About ten hours. Yeah. So it can be done, but this is not the way. Rather, what you're meant to do is pace yourself and read a regular portion of the Qur'an where you're doing tadabbur, where you are thinking and pondering over it. Now, if that's the case, how come we have some of the Salaf reading a lot of Qur'an in Ramadan? Because they used to say Ramadan is different. Ramadan is the exception to that rule. Allah says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِي الْقُرْآنَ The month of Ramadan is the, when the Qur'an was revealed. We also have Allah saying in the Qur'an, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ We have revealed the Qur'an 
in the night of Qadr. We also have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Inna anzalnahu fi mubarakah. We have revealed the Quran in a blessed night. And all of this is not contradictory. That blessed night was the Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr is in Ramadan. Is uh, the also what's important to mention is that the revelation of the Quran, uh, like Allah says in Surah Furqan, it was not done in one go to the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, it was portion by portion. Whatever was then needed to be addressed would be revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. The Sahaba would ask him something, and then Allah would respond. But the whole of Quran was revealed and was brought down to Sama'ud Dunya, to the first sky. And then from there, it was sent to the Prophet ﷺ piece by piece, addressing whatever needed to be addressed. Is the Qur'an the only thing that was revealed in Ramadan? There's a narration uh, that is mentioned by Ahmed ibn Hanbal, where he said that the suhuf of Ibrahim, the scriptures of Ibrahim salam were revealed fi awwal laylatim Ramadan. So Ibrahim's scriptures were revealed in the first night of Ramadan. And then he mentioned that the Torah was revealed fi sit ayam in Ramadan. So the Torah was revealed six days into Ramadan. And then he mentioned that the Injil was revealed 13 days into Ramadan. And that the Quran was revealed 24 nights into Ramadan. So, uh, this is a narrated by Ahmed Hanbal and it shows you that the previous scriptures were also revealed in the month of Ramadan, showing you the blessings that this month contains. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this month uh, as the month to reveal guidance to mankind. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِنَاسِ So what is the Qur'an? The Qur'an is, uh, some of the scholars say, مَا بَيْنَ دَفَّتَيِ الْمَصْحَفِ That which is between the two covers of the Mus'haf. That is the Qur'an, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, it is the 114 chapters that we have today. There is nothing of this Qur'an that is missing. It is complete and it is preserved. Like Allah promised, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَلْنَا ذِكْرُ إِنَّا لَهُ الْحَافِظُونَ We have revealed the, the, the Qur'an and we will protect it. It has been protected from alterations, it has been protected from loss. The Qur'an is as it was the day it was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. So Allah literally spoke the Qur'an. And how do we know this? Because Allah says in the Qur'an, فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ Allah mentioned that uh, give the people a refuge until they hear the speech of Allah. Is the Qur'an the only thing that is the speech of Allah? No. The previous scriptures are also the speech of Allah, like the Torah, for example. And we mentioned this when we were doing some of the previous ayat, where Allah was speaking about the Torah and said, uh, Allah said, uh, Right? Uh, do you wish that Afatatma'una and Yu'minu Lakum, do you wish, O Muhammad, or do you have hope that they will believe? And indeed, a group of them used to hear the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is referring, of course, to the Torah. And uh, some ulama said that the Banu Israel, actually, some of them, Allah literally spoke to them. And Allah knows best. Uh, um, so the Quran is the speech of Allah. Are there certain hadith that are also the speech of Allah? Yes. They're known as hadithun ilahi or hadithun qudsi. Uh, the hadith al-qudsi. So the hadith qudsi, uh, sometimes the Prophet will say, Allah said, and he will mention something. That is the speech of Allah, but it's not the Quran. And there are differences there. What are some of the differences? For example, you can't pray reading a hadith al-qudsi. Right? You have to use the Quran. 
but as it relates to the rulings we we understand from them, uh, then uh, also uh, another another thing is that a hadith qudsi might be considered da'if. That's possible, right? So the scholars that authenticate a hadith might say, well, this narration is not authentic. But the Qur'an, there is no such thing as the authentication of the Qur'an. It is all sahih, it is all mutawatir, it is all accepted. Um, طيب. Allah says, Hudan linnas, the Qur'an is a guidance to mankind. وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ and it is clear proofs for the guidance and the criterion. So what the Qur'an does is it clarifies between what's truth and what's false. Then Allah said, okay, so now we know what Ramadan is. It is the month of Qur'an. Allah then commands us, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْهُ Whoever among you witnesses this month, sees the crescent, understand that it's Ramadan, فَلْيَصُمْهُ Then let him fast. Let him fast. Now, the ulama that say that the, 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 some ulama say that the previous verse that we've done a few weeks ago, which was uh, when Allah said, "Antasumu khairun lakum," and for you to fast is better for you. This was a previous. This was an earlier command that gave you the option. So before it was, "Antasumu khairun lakum." So in the beginning, there was choice. If you want, you can fast. If you don't, you can give the fidya. Then this ayah abrogated that rule, and now it is whoever. Witnesses the month of Ramadan, you have to fast. There's no choice in the matter. All of us have to fast. Now, what if you are in certain circumstances? Allah says, فَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا Whoever is ill. أَوْ عَلَى سَفْرٍ Or is a traveler or traveling. فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخْرٍ Then the same number of days he must fast, but of course other days. You read, why? Why is it that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it easy for the traveler and the sick? يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَةِ Allah intends for you ease. وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرُ And Allah does not intend for you difficulty. Now here, there's something that you always have to keep in mind. The level of difficulty that you find in acts of worship is not the difficulty that Allah is describing here. Because Allah is saying, Allah does not intend difficulty for you. Yet Allah made waking up for fajr obligatory upon you. So how do you reconcile those two things? Fajr is difficult for me. Allah does not want any difficulty for me. Therefore, I shouldn't pray Fajr. That shouldn't be the case. Why? Because the difficulty that's being described here is one outside of the norm. Outside of the norm, right? So, so, so we should, when we all fast, yes, it's many hours, you will get thirsty, you will get tired. But if you're going through such a difficulty that is outside of what is mu'tad, what is no, what is, what people go through, then this is when you will get this, um, this, uh, ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if you're sick, fasting will become especially difficult for you, so then you can break your fast. Same for the traveler. You read Allah Allah wants to make things easy for you, Allah does not want to make things difficult for you. And also among the benefits of obligating this fast and among the benefits of making things easy for you is So that you may magnify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorify him. With takbir. And for, first, for, so that you can complete the number. You can complete the fast of Ramadan. Two, so that you can glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with takbir. This takbir, the scholar says, is referring to either the takbir of salah, the takbir of Eid, or general glorification. It could be all three. And if a general rule for tafsir is, if Allah mentions something, and it can mean this, this, or that, if, they can, if it can mean all of them at the same time and there's no contradiction, then you don't have to pick and choose. 
So while it took you may glorify Allah and, 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 and proclaim the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the prayer on Eid and generally, all of it would be included. Uh, and you are proclaiming the greatness of Allah because ala ma hadakum what he has guided uh, you to and wala allakum tashkurun so that you may be grateful to him. What's interesting and should also be mentioned is gratitude is mentioned towards the end of these ayat. Allah mentions ease and then tells us we should be grateful. In the previous lessons when Allah talked about qisas and retribution, the law of equality in punishment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ And indeed, saving a life with a life or doing the retribution, there is a life in it for you, O men of understanding, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may have taqwa, so that you may be fearful, so that you may be pious. So here, a rule is mentioned that must be upheld, and Allah references taqwa. Here, something that has been made easy for us is, is, is mentioned, and Allah references shukr, gratitude. So there is always a wisdom behind how a verse is finished. Why was shukr mentioned here? Why did Allah say so that you may be grateful? Because Allah was just talking about making things easy for the traveler and the sick. Allah Akbar. And you'll find, if generally speaking, that this religion is easy. It's easy, right? You can't pray standing up, you're allowed to sit down. You can't pray sitting down, you're allowed to lie down. You're, you can't, you're too sick to fast, you can break your fast. There's no such thing as difficulty. You're not, you don't have enough money to perform hajj. You don't have to perform hajj. طيب. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ And when my slaves ask of you, O Muhammad, concerning me, then answer them, I am indeed near. What's interesting is, ikhwani fillah, that this ayah was mentioned and it's not, and the, and the verses that relate to fasting are not finished yet. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about how fasting uh, was a number of days, how uh, fasting is prescribed to you and the people that came before you, so you may have taqwa, the month of Ramadan, the Quran was revealed, and all of this mentioned, and then all of a sudden Allah says, if my servants ask of you, then tell them I am near, I respond to their call when they call upon me. About dua. And then after we finish this ayah, Allah will go back speaking about, and it is lawful for you to be intimate with your wives in the month of Ramadan during the evenings, during the nights. So, fasting, 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 dua, fasting, fasting, fasting. Why was dua mentioned when all of these ayahs are talking about fasting the month of Ramadan and its rulings and its laws? To teach you, just like you were taught earlier, that the month of Ramadan is the month of Qur'an, it is also the month of dua. It is also the best time to invoke Allah, to supplicate to Allah, to call upon Allah. It is also shahrul dua. Which is why the Prophet ﷺ said, three people, their duas are not rejected, and among them was as-sa'im, the fasting person. So, again, it is the month of dua. And there is no greater evidence than the fact that Allah referenced this, and this is a very powerful ayah. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي And when my servant, Allah says, when my servants ask you, O Muhammad, regarding me, what were they asking? Um, so, there are some narrations that mention the Surah Nuzul of this verse, that some of the Sahaba, when they would call upon Allah, they would be very loud. They would be very loud. And, and, and some asked, أَبَعِيدٌ uh, فَنُنَادِيهُ أَوْ أَمْ قَرِيبٌ فَنُنَاجِيهُ 
Is Allah far away so we must call out to Him? Or is He near so that we can whisper? And then this ayah was revealed. And the general rule is that you don't call upon Allah loudly. There's no need. <coughs> There's no need, generally speaking, in your dua to be very, very, very loud. And, and this is not the, the adab of, of, of dua. Uh, and when you're making dua, you should have humility and humbleness and know that Allah hears you. Allah hears you. This reminds me, although it's not directly related to this, of a narration as it relates to the Prophet ﷺ when he used to walk around Medina and he heard Abu Bakr praying. And when he was praying in the night prayer, his voice, he was really whispering. And uh, and then he heard Umar al-Khattab and he was very loud. And he asked them both for their reasoning. And Umar said that he wanted to wake up the people and, and he wanted to ensure that, his, that uh, the shaitan stays far away from him and he was reciting very loudly. And when he asked Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said, the one who I was speaking to could hear me. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa told Abu Bakr to raise his, his voice slightly and told Umar to uh, uh, lower his voice slightly. And what's interesting is, uh, uh, and this is something that you should know, is generally speaking, prayers that are done at night should be prayed loudly. And prayers that are done during the day should be prayed quietly. Duhur and Asar, you don't hear the recitation. Maghrib Isha Fajr, you do hear the recitation. And this is something to, to, to keep in mind. In any case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always hears us. He's the Sami' the all-hearing, Al-Alim, the all-knowing. And Allah said, if they ask you of me, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ then I am near. Now when we say Allah is near, what do we mean by that? We mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near any one of us with His knowledge. Allah is with you with his knowledge, Allah is near us with his knowledge, right? And this is what he's referring to here. And then Allah said, I respond to the, to the supplication of the one who calls upon me when they do so. So, does Allah respond to our calls? Yes. When? When we call upon him. So the first condition for Allah to respond to you is for you to actually call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Actually make the effort and make the dua. And then Allah said, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي Allah said, so let them obey me. This is the second condition. You want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to respond to you, obey Allah. And you obey Allah, and you stay away from sin to the best of your ability, you repent as often as you can, and you stay away from consuming those things that are haram, because that's one of the biggest things that will prevent your dua from being accepted. Let them obey me. Let them believe in me. Because you want Allah's dua, you want your dua to be accepted and be responded to, then you have to have iman, you have to obey, and you have to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those three things I mentioned in this verse. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they may be led to the straight path, so that they may be guided. <coughs> dua has some adab that we have to keep in mind. I'll quickly go through them. One of the adab of dua is, number one, that you should be in a state of Humility, when you're calling upon Allah. Show your desperation and your need to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, this is why, why is the dua of the oppressed never rejected? The dua of the oppressed is never rejected. What situation is the oppressed person in? He's in a, he's desperate, right? Someone stole from you, someone harmed you, and you call upon Allah in your desperate moments. These are one of, it shows your iftiqar in Allah, your need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is the fasting person's dua accepted? Your fast has, you, when you're fasting, you're hungry. 
You're already in a state where you are in need. You haven't drank any water. You're hungry. You are already in a humble state. Right? And you have to make sure you are in a very humble state as you call upon your Lord. Um, this is why uh, the act of sujood is one of the greatest acts to show your humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we are nothing. That we are in desperate need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Allah says, uh, there's this hadith of the Prophet sallam where he said, Allahumma rahmataka arju. Oh Allah, I uh, hope in your mercy. فَلَا تَكِلْنِي إِلَى نَفْسِي طَرْفَةَ عَيْنِ do not allow me, do not let me be by myself. Do not allow me to be in charge of myself. Do not leave me alone, even tarafatain, a moment, a glimpse of an eye. Because, oh Allah, I am always in need of you. This should be your attitude as you are making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the other adab involve calling upon Allah by His beautiful names and attributes. So use Allah's beautiful names and attributes. Why? Because Allah says in the Quran, um, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَةِ فَادْعُوهُ بِهَا And Allah has these beautiful names, so call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So rather than just say, Oh Allah, give me this, and oh Allah, give me that, then you should use Allah's beautiful names and attributes. And to do that, you need to learn them. So, let's say someone is desperate for wealth, or they are in debt. Which name of Allah should they use? Perhaps they use Allah the provider, Ar-Razaq. Maybe they are sick, so they use Allah's name, Ash-Shafi, the healer. Maybe uh, they want Allah's mercy and forgiveness. So these Allah's name, At-Tawab and Al-Ghafoor and Al-Rahman. So when you are making a dua, try and tailor it to these great names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of the ways that will lead to your dua being accepted. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself taught us how to call upon him in Surah Al-Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha teaches you what to do. You start by praising Allah. And your praise of Allah is a understanding of who you owe everything to and who is worthy of praise always. Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Then you invoke Allah through His beautiful names and attributes by saying Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And then you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sovereignty and power. Malik Yawmiddin. And then you proclaim Iyaka na'abudu Allah. You alone I worship. Wa Iyaka nasta'een. And you alone we seek help of. And then you make your dua. Ihidina salat al-mustaqeem. Guide us to the straight path. So you don't just jump into a dua. You say some things before that. You praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You, you show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is why it is important that when you are making dua, that you do this. Another one is to send salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said in a hadith that when you're making dua, your dua uh, will be held unless you send salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You should... Uh, you, if there are ad'i, du'as that the Prophet himself used, or the Prophets of Allah used, then you should use them before making your own. Right? So for example, you want children, then you have the story of Zakariya alayhi salam, where he made du'a for children. And what did he say? Uh, Allah said, Allah grant me righteous children. You are the, 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 the same dua, the one that hears our call. So he made that dua. You want children? Use that dua. Is that the only one he made? No. Or you can use the one of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Rabbi habli min as-salihin. Oh Allah, grant me a child from the righteous. You can use Zakariya's dua, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Surah Al-Anbiya. Rabbi la tadarni fardan wa anta khayr al-warithin. So the point is, utilize Hisnul Muslims, the du'as that are in there, or from the Sunnah. Utilize the ad'iyah from the Quran. This is one of the adabs as well. 
When you do all of this, this is more likely than that your dua will be accepted. Can you sometimes just say it in your own language and call upon Allah? Of course you can. Of course you can. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? Call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always. There's no such thing as, no, this is not the right time. Always call upon Allah. Always call upon Allah for anything that you need. This is the way of the believer. وَإِذَا أَسْأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي And when my servants ask us of you, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then tell them I am near. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ I respond to the one who calls upon me or the supplicant when they call. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي Let them obey me if they want their du'as to be answered. وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And let them believe in me. لَعَلَّمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they may be led on the right path or so that they may be guided. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, spoke about the rulings of Siyam again. And this coming verse is speaking about some particular rulings as it relates to husband and wives in Ramadan. Husband and wives in Ramadan. So, <coughs> some background uh, to, this, uh, to this is that now we all know that fasting starts at, uh, at sunrise and it ends at sunset, Right? Basically, so when the sun comes up, you don't eat all the way until Maghrib, the Adana is called, and you can eat, right? This was not the case in the beginning. In the beginning, this was not the case. In the beginning, uh, or before uh, that rule was established, you were allowed to eat until Isha, and that was it. And if you go to bed or sleep and wake up in the night, you were not allowed to eat, right? And you were not allowed to be intimate. Then, this became difficult for the Sahaba, and some of them would then uh, break some of the rules, right? As it relates to being with their families, or as it relates to uh, eating, or whatever the case is. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eased the rule in the following ayat. And Allah says, أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةُ الصِّيَامِ It has been made lawful for you. Who has made it lawful, of course? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةُ الصِّيَامِ أَرَّفَثُ إِلَى نِسَائِكُمْ to have relations with your wives. The word rafath is mentioned uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah uh, another time when it was related to hajj. فَلَا رَفَثَ وَلَا فُسُوقَ وَلَا جِدَالَ فِي الْحَجِ So what does, what does the word rafath mean? Uh, the word rafath, it, it, it's one of those words that change meaning depending on the context. But they all kind of revolve around the same thing. So it could mean uh, the, the type of speech that is said between husband and wife prior to their relations. Or the type of actions that are done prior to the actual physical relations. Or it could be referencing the physical relation itself. So any one of these, right? So when, so any one of these is not allowed during the day. So none of that should be done when you're fasting. You shouldn't be speaking in those terms, you shouldn't be acting in those terms, and you shouldn't be having uh, relations whatsoever, right? Because you are fasting. And then Allah saying, this is all now allowed in the night. Now, a lot of the translations will just say, uh, um, it's maybe lawful for you to have relations with your wives on the night of the fast. So you can do this. Um, this is now halal. They, and then Allah said, Allah then comments on the relationship between a husband and a wife. Allah says, libasun lakum, wa antum libasun They are Libas for you and you are libas for them. What is libas? Libas is clothings. Libas is clothings. Right? Covering. So, why is Allah telling us that the relationship between a man and wife is like that of a, something that covers your body? 
there are several several uh, tafsir for this. Some of the ulama said it was just quite straightforward that we are referencing now um, intimate relationships, and when these are occurring, uh, you are as close to each other as your clothes would be. So it's just referring to that, right? Uh, the, the, it's, it's, it's almost literal. Then other ulama said there is more to it than this. There's more to it than this. Now, what what is the main function of your clothing, right? They make you more beautiful, right? They beautify you. So being in a relationship is something that it enhances you. Being in a marriage relationship, it enhances you. Being a wife, being a husband. It means that your clothes are close to you. So this is referencing the relationship between a husband and wife should be one that is very close, very intimate, right? And also that it, 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 your clothes cover you and cover your uh, your secrets and meaning your your the way you look or if you have anything it's got, so similarly your relationship should be able to be that thing that covers you meaning what what happens stays in your home what happens in your home stays in your home that you guard your wife's secrets she guides your she guards your secrets and it's a relationship that is uh, one that is uh, complementing one another also your clothes protect you from the cold and they protect you from the heat and similarly you should be a protection for each other and there are many things that you can take from this analogy and it shows you the depth of the balagh of the Quran so Allah says hunna libasun lakum antum libasun lahun then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said alim Allah annakum kuntum takhtanun anfusakum alim Allah Allah knows knew when, when we say Allah knows, uh, Allah always knew, right? And this is, it's important that you always appreciate Allah's knowledge, Allah's infinite and ultimate knowledge. The ulama, they say, Allah, alima ma kan, wa ma huwa kain, wa ma sayakun, wa ma lam yakun, lo kana kayfa kan. Allah knows and knew what was going to happen what is happening, and what's going to happen in the future. So what already happened, what is happening, and this is like a, a, a leaf leaf falling from a tree. In any country, anywhere in the world, a, a leaf that falls from a tree, Allah knows. So Allah knows everything that ever happened, everything that is happening at this very moment, everything that is going to happen. And Allah also knows that which did not happen, if it were to happen, how it would happen. And this is, this is, uh, um, some of the ulama, they even added another line, they said, Allah also knows that, which is impossible to occur, if it were to occur, how it would occur. And, and, <laughs> and there's evidence for this in the Quran. Uh, there's evidence for this in the Quran. Uh, so for example, what is the evidence for something that never happened, or never is going to happen, but Allah tells us about what would happen if it did. Allah said in the Quran, If He were to bring them back to life, to this dunya, then they would go back to their evil ways, and they are lying. Allah is referencing the people that will send their judgment, O oh Allah, take us back. Oh Allah, bring us back so that we can do righteous actions. Allah is saying, even if I were to bring them back, they were not doing righteous actions. Right? So this is something that is not going to happen. Allah is saying, if it were, Allah is saying how it would happen. And there is a similar one in Surah Al-Hashr, where the Munafiqeen and the, and the, and the Yahud were trying to, to combine forces. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that they wouldn't. And if they even were to, uh, that, uh, yeah, I lose me often. 
نعم لئن اخرجوا لا يخرجون معهم ولئن قوتوا لا ينصرونهم ولئن نصروهم ليولون الادبار ثم لا ينصرون if they are expelled the yahud the hypocrites will never help them and if they are attacked they would never help them and even if they help them they will turn their backs none of these actually happened but if they were to happen this is how it would happen allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so this is this shows you again the the, the greatness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge طيب uh, Allah says, "Alim Allahu annakum kuntu taqanufut." Allah knows that you used to deceive yourselves. What is the deception? This is when some of the Sahaba, uh, because of the difficulty of also not eating after Isha was difficult on them, or not being intimate with their wives, and they would break that rule. Allah saying, "Alim Allahu annakum kuntu taqanufut." Allah knows that you were deceiving yourself. Fatab alaykum, but Allah has accepted your repentance, wa'afa ankum, and forgiven you. Allah Akbar. So Allah saying, accept their repentance and Allah forgave them. Then, فَالْآنَ بَاشِرُوهُنَّ So now, have relations with them. وَبْتَغُوا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ And seek that which Allah has written for you. And what has Allah written for you? What, is it, what, are, what are they seeking? What do you seek from, the, from being intimate with your, with, your, with your wives and your husbands? This is of course related to seeking out children, right? Seeking out whatever Allah has, has, has decreed for you. وَبْتَغُوا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ And Allah says, وَكُلُوا and eat. وَشْرَبُوا and drink. حَتَّى يَتَبَيْنَ لَكُمْ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطِ الْأَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ Until the white thread and the black thread appear to be distinct from each other. When this happens, then ثُمَّ أَتِمُّ الصِّيَامِ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ Complete the fast until nightfall. And do not have relations as you are performing i'tikaf. So this is referring to the timing that the fast ends and begins. Allah said, um, Eat and drink during the night. You can eat and drink as much as you want until the white thread becomes distinct from the black thread. What is this referring to? This is referring to the twilight that appears in the morning, which is like a white line. When the, when the sun is coming up, right? That horizon, that the line of the horizon, this is the white thread. When that becomes distinct from the black meaning, when, when the sun is about to come up, this is when you need to stop what? Stop eating. Right? And uh, there was an incident that occurred during the time of the Sahaba. In one of the Sahaba, he took a literal black thread and a literal black a white thread and put them under his, his pillow and he would check to see if they are distinct from each other and they wouldn't. And again, if you're in a tent and it's dark, you can imagine that the sun would come up before you can distinguish between them. And the Prophet ﷺ, of course, reprimanded them, told them this is not what is meant by the, by the verse. Tayyib. Um, then, ثُمَّ أَتِمُ الصِّيَامِ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ Then finish the fast until nightfall, meaning until the sun sets. <coughs> and then there's another rule that's mentioned. وَلَا تُبَشِّرُهُنَ So now what, what have you been told? You can be intimate with your wives, uh, and wives can be intimate with their husbands in night now. All of it. So from the, from the, from, from when iftar time starts all the way until the, the time where you cannot. So this is now, this rule is now okay. Then, wala tubashiruhuna and do not have relations. fil masajid when you are performing i'tikaf in the mosques. So again, when you have committed yourself to i'tikaf, although it is night time and you can eat and drink, you, you refrain from intercourse. Right, so when is that? When you have committed yourself to i'tikaf. 
you learn something else, i'tikaf only happens in the mosque. You can't do i'tikaf at home. The people always ask us in Ramadan, uh, can we do i'tikaf at home? No, there is one place for i'tikaf, it's the mosque. Some ulama in the past would say it's specific mosques, but this ayah is very clear. And you're doing i'tikaf in the mosques. So any mosque, you can do i'tikaf in. And also, is i'tikaf only in Ramadan? Not necessarily. Many ulama would say that i'tikaf can happen any time during the year. But the Prophet ﷺ would do it in the last 10 of the Ramadan, and so with his wives after him. So with his wives after him. Again, i'tikaf is not something that's limited to men. Women can do it as well, but they need to do it in the mosque. They need to do it in the mosque. Now rules were mentioned, right? The rule was mentioned that you're not allowed to do rafath. Uh, uh, no, you can do, you, you can be intimate, you can have relations at night, but, um, and you should stay away from eating and drinking once the, the sun comes up, because then you are fasting until nightfall. Do not do, to perform any, any relations when you are in ihtikaf. Now these rules are mentioned, Allah said, Tilka hududullah. These are the limits set by Allah. Fala taqrabuha, do not go near them. Sometimes Allah will say, Fala ta'ataduha, do not transgress them. So why sometimes transgress and sometimes don't go near? When a prohibition is mentioned, often Allah will say, Fala taqrabu, do not go near. Because the prohibition, you're not only being told, do not go near the actual thing that's haram, but when you say do not go near, it means anything that can potentially lead to it, you also stay away from. Uh, so, based on that, if you are not allowed to have relations, then you don't do anything that is close to it either, right? And you stay away from it completely. This is like when Allah said in Surah Al-Isra, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا And do not go near zina. Do not go near zina. Allah do not say, فَلَا تَزْنُوا Do not do zina. No, do not go near it. What does that mean? that you close any avenues that can potentially lead to it. And that's how you deal with haram. Don't just avoid the actual haram, avoid the steps that can lead to it. فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا Do not go near it. The limits of Allah, do not go near them. كَذَلِكَ يُبَيُّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ And just like that, Allah makes clear His ayat to you. لِلنَّاسِ To the people, عفواً لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ So that they may be pious or that they may become from the muttaqin again because now the rules are mentioned what to do and not to do piety is mentioned because true piety is to stay away from the haram and and to of course do the obligations we're going to conclude here inshallah ta'ala barakallahu fikum hadha akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin this recording was produced by green lane masjid for more information on the activities and services the mosque provides please visit www.greenlanemasjid.com dot org